We serve a God who is pro-life. He's the creator of life. He's the one that saw us in our mother's womb. He has great intentions for our lives. The Bible really makes it very clear. You saw some of the passage there in the video, but in Psalm 139, many of you are familiar with this. For you form my innermost parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wondrous are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret. And intricacy and skillfully formed, as if embroidered with many colors in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were all written the days that were appointed for me, when as yet there was none of them that have even taken shape. You know, when you read a passage like this, and, and I don't know about you, but it, it, it really tells me the care or demonstrates the care and the, uh, the, the purposes of God that we have been created in his image, but not just in his own image, but in the fact that we've been created unique. We're very unique when it comes to what he's created. And so that kind of ties in with what I want to talk to you about this morning. I believe life, when you really think about it, it's not just something that God has created. It's not just something purposeful. It's the whole idea that it's also directional. I believe our lives are directional. I believe there's purposes he's intended for us to fulfill when it comes to the life that he's actually given us. The Apostle Paul uh, writes, which I believe is some of the last words that he wrote, uh, and we know he wrote those to Timothy, but look at this verse. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. He knows he's about to be executed. And here's how he sums up his life. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. It's amazing when you begin to look at a passage like Psalm 139 and you hear all the intricacies of how God created us and that uniqueness about us and the fact that he's given us certain gifts, certain look. I mean, he put us in a certain time period. I mean, there's so much thought when it comes to that. And then you read something that Paul writes, probably some of the last things that he had written. And he basically says, I've done, I fulfilled, I have, my life was directional and I fulfilled God's purposes with my life. I don't know about you, but when I read things like that, it's very inspirational. It, it really inspires me to want to live with my life as it relates to something being purposeful, something that is directional, and something that is fulfilling. It's interesting in these verses, uh, especially what Paul writes, we see a life of faith and courage. But as I just said, we also see a life that is directional, that is purposeful. And then for Paul, as you read those words, a life that's fulfilling. And I believe that's what God's called us to. So today, as we look, continue in the series, Seeing Beyond 2020, I, I want us to kind of look at this idea of myopia. It's, it's literally that idea of being short-sighted or the inability to see far off. It's the lack of foresight. For some, it's the lack of future discernment. It can have a physical meaning, which we're, uh, that whole idea of short-sightedness, but it can also have a, a greater meaning, and this is where I think many of us struggle, is that idea of lack of foresight. It's the lack of seeing our lives in what I've said many times in the context of God. Think about your life. Think about the context that God has brought to your life. He did it with his, his creation of who you are, and he wants that to continue until our last days. It's literally the idea when you put all these thoughts together, it's those who have difficulty seeing the big picture of their life. So look at the introduction. From the pages of God's word, we discovered that we are called to not only live a life of faith and courage, but also a life of direction and purpose, which in turn will provide us a life of satisfaction and fulfillment. Now, let me just say this. 
It doesn't mean that we'll have a life that's struggle-free. It doesn't mean that we're going to live a life that is void of sorrow and void of heartache. No, all that comes with this life that we're living because we're living in a fallen world and a fallen body and a fallen system. But still, through it all, God can accomplish his purposes and can bring fulfillment to our lives. So if you will, turn to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. In Genesis 24, Abraham, Father Abraham, has an assignment for his oldest, most trusted servant, Eleazar. Now I want you to keep in mind, as we will see in this chapter, that Eleazar gets his significance, his fulfillment, from serving his master, Abraham. And, and, and there's so many things that we can pull from this story of Eleazar. You know, I, I've preached on this subject matter uh, at, at times, and I remember several years back, I had the privilege of speaking uh, at Gardner Webb on one of the Tuesday night fellowships, and I and, uh, had the privilege of going there, and I shared a message very similar to this. And it was amazing how the Gardner Webb students uh, just kind of uh, listened to it and they wrote a lot of notes. I saw some of them out there writing notes. It was something that really connected to them because they were seeing their life just really starting. And they wanted to fulfill, I could really sense that many of them wanted to fulfill what God's purpose was for their life. But that's just not for a, a student that's about to make their way into this world. I think it doesn't matter what age you are. There must come that time in which we realize that we were created unique. We were created with certain purposes to be fulfilled in and through our lives. So I don't care if you're a student in your early 20s or uh, late teens, or you're someone at my age in 50s or 60s or 70s, whatever it may be, God still has purposes he wants to fulfill in your life. And we find that all in Scripture. So this morning, what I want to do is look on your outline, steps to a directional, purposeful, and fulfilling life. And the first thing we must do is to determine your position. You've got to determine your positions. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had. So we're here in the opening verses of what we find in this story of Eleazar, the most trusted servant, the, the oldest servant who was in charge of everything that Abraham had. What a, boy, what a, what a assignment he had because Abraham was very wealthy. He was running the empire basically for Abraham. And what we find here is that he's a servant. We find his lot in life is that he is there for Abraham. That's what he was called to. He felt very confident in that because of what we read throughout this chapter. So the question is, look on your outline, who are you? And probably most importantly, whose are you? You see, you must discover before you can see the big picture in your life, you've got to understand who you are. Who are you? Think about it. You were someone that God created who, who fearfully and wonderfully made you in such a way that there's intricacies about who you are that no one else has. There's a uniqueness to your life. There's a purpose for your life. How do I know there's purpose in there? Because the Bible talks about the idea of how unique we are. Not only that, he talks about the days that have been set for us. He knows our days. He's keeping up. There's certain things he wants to accomplish in our lives. So it's not only who you, who, who you are, but whose you are. Next, where are you now? Where are you now in your place in life? For some of you, you may be a student who, who uh, maybe like I spoke to some years ago, uh, you're just, life's just kind of starting out and you're just trying to figure these things out and, and you're there. Or maybe you're someone who's in midlife or later and you're like, well, can, can there really be meaning to my life at this age? Of course there can. Look at the stories of scripture. God used all ages to accomplish great things. But where are you now? For some, just starting. For others, preparing. For some, maybe you feel like you're on the sidelines. I can't tell you how many people that I meet that are just, that when they talk about life, they feel like, well, 2020, I, I'm just trying to survive it. And then there are those who are 
possibly could say I'm staying the course. I know there's something God's up to in my life, and I know there's a fulfillment. I know there's something directional that he's up to. And in this season in my life, I'm just staying the course that God has for me. And then thirdly, do you periodically evaluate your life? I don't know about you, and you've heard this over the last couple weeks. This is the time of year I start evaluating my life. I I look. I look at last year. I look at new things for this year, uh, not only for myself, but maybe some uh, challenges here in our church or what God wants to challenge me as as far as my role in ministry, whatever it may be. I use this time just to kind of evaluate. I think it's healthy to do that to evaluate where you are in life, to evaluate where you think God's calling you to. If you're a parent, I think you need to go through periods of evaluation to to check and see where you are as a parent or as a grandparent in your career, whatever it may be. There needs to be those times where there's reflection. You see, significance begins to become a reality when you realize, as I said, who you are and whose you are, where you are in life, and where you need to be in life. When you begin to get on the same place, in the same place where God has for you, not sitting on the sidelines, not just merely surviving, but staying the course to what he's called you to, a purposeful, fulfilling, and directional life. Secondly, steps to a directional, purposeful, and fulfilling life, not only determine your position, but define your purpose. What do you see there? I've noticed in life that significance and fulfillment comes from purpose. To to focus, to have focus and passion to to accomplish something. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 24. Let's begin with verse 1 again. Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth that you will not take, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you should go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son, Isaac. Now, when you look at this, you can say, okay, now, wait a second. Eleazar, this most trusted, trusted servant, he's basically giving something to, to do. He's, he's called to fulfill a purpose. How can you say that's maybe a purpose for all my life? Listen, one thing I've noticed about life is there are certain seasons of where God has us. How many of you can identify with that? There's a season where we started out. There's a season where we prepared ourselves to what he was calling us to. There was that season in which we possibly were in the trenches of being a parent and being a better spouse. And then there was the trenches of ministry, whatever it may be. But right here, we see so much in this one story as to how fulfillment can come from serving the one that we're called to serve. And we see it here so clearly. So what we're seeing here is that Abraham gives Eleazar a focus in life, a purpose in life. And what we see here is the fact that it was clear, it was plain, and it was specific. You see, your purpose and your focus in life, I want you to think about this, has to be, worth, has to be a worthy purpose. It is, God, it is a God-given purpose. It's something that I believe is is born out of prayer many times. Sometimes it's born out of the fact that someone brings an opportunity to your life. I'll never forget, there was a time in my life where I felt like God was calling me into ministry, full-time ministry. And some of you heard the story before, but the pastor, when I was trying to discern what God was calling me to do, uh, we, we went out visiting on a Tuesday night and, and uh, I, uh, someone got a message to me that the pastor didn't want me to leave that night. Uh, we'd already finished. We'd, I'd come back home and, and, and he showed up and he rode through the parking lot and he basically said, hey, I, I'm being called away for tomorrow night. I need you to, uh, to basically speak tomorrow night, which was a Wednesday night, which is a big deal. I don't know if you remember Wednesday nights many years ago. That was a big deal. That was just another service. 
And I remember that whole time thinking, you want me to, to do what? I mean, I, at that point, I, was, I, I had really wished I'd never discussed the fact that God was calling me into ministry, to be honest with you. It, it was my first opportunity. I was scared. I was terrified. I, the only, thing, only experience I had was teaching sixth grade boys. And you don't really teach sixth grade boys. You kind of herd sixth grade boys and, and keep them contained. You know what I'm saying? And, and so that's the only experience I had up to that point. I was terrified to stand in front of people. And, and, but yeah, it felt like God was calling me. And so he just kind of slung me out there. <laughs> and it was through someone else saying, you know, here's an opportunity. Well, one, but two weeks before that, and I met with someone, and, and I really asked the question. I said, how do you know when you've been called to do something? How do you know when, when it's there? And, they, and here's what they said. They said, well, if you believe it's the direction God's calling you, don't ever miss an opportunity to go in that direction if those doors open. And I sat there and I was like, ooh, this is a bad timing. I wish I had not heard that two weeks ago. Of course, you, you know what I'm saying? But it was one of those things where I was so uncertain, but I knew there was a purpose God was calling me to, and, and I stepped through that door. That Wednesday night was the most pathetic night ever in my life. Those people that showed up, I, I was up there. I, I had to be physically shaken. I mean, I had to look that way. And, and people were out there, bless their hearts, they're sitting there, they're, they're trying to encourage me, just like many of you are trying to do right now. And of course, I can't see you if you're smiling or frowning or mad, but anyway. But, but they were, you could tell they were pulling for me. They, they saw something, they wanted something to be right, and I did not deliver that night. It was a very humil humiliating night, I must say. But you know something? It was just the first step. It was just the first step. And you know what I did? I continued to live faithfully. I continued to live courageously because it took everything I had to stand in front of those people that night. And guess what? The next opportunity came. I was even more terrified about that based on what, this happened, what just happened. And all of a sudden, God began to put something into my life to move in that direction. And the more I moved in that direction, the more defined the purpose began, began to be happening in my life. But that began with courage. It really did for me because I was so terrified. Can you imagine uh, Abraham's servant here? This is probably something he's never been called to do before. I can't imagine Abraham has sent him out. To, I mean, this is the first time Isaac, I mean, his, his child, to, to find a, a bride for his, his son. I mean, can you imagine how much pressure there must have been? But there was a God-given purpose. God called Isaac to have a wife because God was going to, the descendants of Abraham, which would come through Isaac, that was a God-given purpose that must happen. Next, when it comes to your purpose, does it create in you a passion for its fulfillment? There's going to come times, just like for me, and I'm sure for Eleazar, where there's times where you just don't feel like there's a whole lot of passion there because there's uncertainty. There's so much uncertainty that surrounds it. But you know, once you start moving in that direction, you begin. There is a passion that begins to take over. And then thirdly here, does it or does your purpose demand your very best? your very best. Eleazar, I want you to think about what went into him fulfilling what Abraham told him. He would have to travel about approximately 500 miles. Now that's a, a, that's a big under, undertaking. To find a wife for Abraham's son, to accomplish his purpose. So the question I have for you is this, what is your purpose at this time in your life? As a follower of Jesus, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, maybe as a grandparent, as a student at a university, as an employer, as an employee, wherever your life is taking you right now, what is the purpose behind it? And I, here's what I'm afraid of. Many people, they don't see the purpose behind the events and the circumstances in their lives. And that's the reason they can never see the big picture. That God is calling them to something greater than the circumstances they're in, greater than just being a parent or a grandparent or employer or employee. There's, a, there's something behind it that God wants to fulfill in you, a purpose. And here's what I know. You will never find significance unless you have a clear direction. Think about your own life. Determine your position. Define your purpose. Evaluate your direction. A life without direction is like a ship without a rudder. 
And by the way, we always need some kind of direction. And if we're not directional, we'll just drift. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you feel like up to this point in your life, you've done a lot more drifting than there's been direction in your life? Listen, I've got moments of drifting in my life. I look back over my life, and even though God's called me to something that I feel is very directional, uh, there's, there's been seven-year periods in my life where I just felt like I was drifting. Now, things got done in spite of me because guess what? God has an overarching purpose that's greater than me. How many of you agree with that? And sometimes when I'm not available, and sometimes when I make myself not available, and I just choose to drift, God can send it to someone else, and the blessings come from a different place. Did you know that can happen? It's all in Scripture, too. We find it. But a life without direction is like a ship without a rudder. We always need direction to keep from drifting. But here, I want to, put a, I want to give you a warning associated with this. I'm one of those that if I'm going to err in life, I will take being directional to an unhealthy place. How many of you feel like you're a big picture kind of person and you've got a lot of direction already kind of out there? You you can see you're looking at five years out about what this may look like. You're a planner. You're you're someone you've been given tremendous vision maybe. I don't typically have issues with that in my life. I, I, God, I think, kind of wired me that way. But I will tell you this. Because I'm so driven to be that, sometimes I miss the moments of life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We get so caught up into what may happen tomorrow that we forget about the moments of today. And so when I talk about this whole idea of purpose and direction and fulfillment, the thing that we've got to keep in balance is our lives are not just directional. There must be moments in life that guarantee the purposes are being fulfilled. It's not just living for tomorrow. It's living in the moment at times. How many of you feel like there's been times in your life where you just failed to live in the moment? Anybody? Won't you regret those times? I look back in my life, and, and, and I've been a directional person. I, I, I have. I've always felt like there was something out there to accomplish. And, 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 but I'll tell you, I missed a lot of moments. And there were times it was unhealthy to carry it to the extremes that I did. Always living for what's getting ready to come up instead of what's happening right there in front of me. I've missed it at times with my children. I've I've told you this. I had a son that basically wanted to talk to me about that when he became a man. Do you think that wasn't a hard conversation? Very difficult conversation. Of course, my daughter says I did a beautiful job. She's always so encouraging, but anyway, no. No, no, I'm glad he called me on it. Gave me the opportunity to see what kind of effects not living in the moment has. Isn't it cool, though, to get a do-over with grandchildren, those of you who know? Isn't that cool? Get to do a do-over. I don't, I try not to miss many moments. I mean, uh, but anyway, I'm just trying to help you to see. Be careful with what I'm saying. But here's what I do know. Direction and purpose plus moments in life, I believe, equal the greatest of fulfillment. It's not only living directional, but taking the time to live the moments. The moments. So we got to be careful when it comes to that. A third step to a, a directional, purposeful, and fulfilling life, discover a promise. And the first question there is, can, can your purpose be found in Scripture? Abraham was given a promise, and for that promise uh, to be realized, Isaac had to have a wife. And according to Abraham, Eleazar was the man for the job. Look at verse 5 of 24. It says, And the servant said to him, said to Abraham, Perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me uh, to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you come? You came. But Abraham said to him, 
beware that you do not take my son back there. Don't take him back there. There's, there's a certain way this needs to play out. There's a certain way evidently God has designed it. Don't go back there. He's, and it's really the idea that God called Abraham out of that. He didn't want his son to go back into that. He wanted him to be called back. And the Lord God of heaven, verse 7, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying, to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Now, I want you to think about this. What's he saying? Well, back then, they didn't talk along the lines that we talk today. How do we talk today? Jesus said, I must go that who may come? The Holy Spirit may come. He'll be the one to guide you, teach you, show you whatever you need, convict you, whatever you need in life to, to pursue the direction God has for you. Holy, insert the Holy Spirit. That, that's what's going to happen for you. But before that time, there were other means in which God operated. He operated many times through visions. Not to say you can't do that today, but he operated through angels showing up here and there. We find that all through Scripture. And basically, Abraham is saying, hey, 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 uh, Eleazar, you just do what you called, and, and the plan will unfold in front of you. That's kind of what he's saying. Don't, don't worry about that. It'll unfold in front of you. There'll be something there that will show you. Maybe God's going to send an angel ahead of you. And the reason Abraham was so confident that that would happen is because Abraham knew this was a God-given promise. This was a God-given direction that was there in his life. And so you see how clear it becomes. So the purpose of your life, listen, is the, bringing of, is to the bridging of your life with God's promises. So you say, okay, now how do I do that? Well, when it comes to being a spouse, when it comes to being a husband, we can go to Ephesians 5 and see how we can bridge our lives to the Word of God and its fulfillment will play out based on what we read in Ephesians 5 about what a husband's to do. Same thing for a wife. It's found in Scripture, but one place you can find it is Ephesians chapter 5. When it comes to being a parent, we also find that in several places in the New Testament of what that looks like. We go to Deuteronomy 6, and we find out what the role of the parent is and what's going on there. There's so many places that we can find direction when it comes to what God has called us to. And in Joshua 1.8, listen, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When you align your life with the promises of God's word, when you seek to see those promises fulfilled. So significance in life comes from focusing your life on the promises of God's word. Next, the fourth step, describe the prophet. Describe the prophet. Now you would think that Eleazar was thinking possibly, if I go do all this, take this 500 mile journey, do, do, what, what's really in it for me? What's in it for me? Have you ever asked that question about something you're asked to do? What's in it for me? I want you to um, look at verse 24. There's a, in verse, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 20, but look at verse 7. There's something that here that is the purpose. Here it is. To your descendants, I give this land. Now, here, here's what we know. God had already put the covenant with Abraham forward. Your descendants, the earth shall be blessed by your descendants. There's a fulfillment that's not just going to rest with you, Abraham. It's going to continue down through your descendants. Okay? And, and he's very clear about that. So who's going to benefit from this? Abraham, living out the promises of God, it will be fulfilled through the descendants of Abraham. Now, Eleazar has no stake in that. He, he has no stake in that. It's not profit him directly. So this verse has nothing to do with Eleazar. It's all about what God in his promise to Abraham and that, uh, was apparently enough for Eleazar. So when he looked at it, it wasn't the fact it was just going to please him. It wasn't the fact that he was going to get a whole lot out of it. It was the fact that he was going to help fulfill the plan of God and fulfill what his master desired. It's pretty big. The prophet here it is. 
Abraham will be pleased. Isaac will get a bride. And this is probably one of the most important things. God's will and his word will be fulfilled. And as a result of it all, God will be glorified. You say, well, well, describe to me the profit of me fulfilling God's word, or me fulfilling the plan of God in my life to bring him glory. You mean that's what, if you're going to say my whole life is wrapped up in, that's it? Exactly. That's our worship. You see, a lot of us think that we just kind of show up here on Sunday, we sing these beautiful songs, and that's our worship to God, and we can go out of here and just kind of live the way we desire, and our wishes and our commands, we gave our token response to God in worship. We didn't know our whole life is a life of worship. And evidently, Eleazar got that. As it relates to your life, listen, if the prophet is just total selfishness, it's probably not a God-given purpose or plan. Because most of my life, where, where I have seen, now does it mean I can't be fulfilled in it and sat, find satisfaction in it? Oh yeah, you can find all that. But for it to directly affect me and, and bring all these things, yeah, sometimes a blessing may be associated, but most of the time, it's never just for you, if for you at all. It's just a simple task of doing what God's called us to do. As it relates to your focus in life, here's some questions. Will it please God? Will it bring significance to your life? Why do you want it? Why do you want to fulfill it? Evaluate the prophet. I think there would be the idea, check your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? You see, fulfillment in this life is realized when our focus is not on ourselves, but pleasing God and serving others. And that's what we find. How about a fifth step? Diagnose the problem. It seems like, I don't know about you, but it seems like, and maybe it's because we live in a fallen world, but it seems like everything that God has asked of us, or I know has asked of me, there's a great opportunity there, but there's also an obstacle. How many of you noticed that about life? There seems to always be an obstacle there. Sometimes that obstacle is what we bring to the table. Maybe it's something that we're caught up in that we shouldn't be caught up in, and it's keeping us from fulfilling the opportunities and plans and purposes of God and and, and keeping our lives from being directional because we're bound up. Okay, It, It could be that there's just a problem associated with it. There was a course that we taught here for years we probably just need to bring it back because it's some of the best practical application of Scripture I've ever been around. Experiencing God, do y'all remember the course? Experiencing God? And, and in the middle of it, it talks about this whole idea. How do we experience God? Well, we get on the same page with God. And, and from there, it, it says there's always going to be, anytime we experience that, there's always going to be what they call the crisis of belief. Do you remember that part of it? A crisis of belief. It's that idea that at some point in the process of fulfilling God, what God desires us to fulfill, to experience him and who he truly is, there's probably always going to be a crisis of belief. There's going to be something in it that's going to cause some kind of obstacle, a, a, a faith component that we've got to overcome. It's almost like it's built into the process. And it is with everything that is asked of us by God because we live in a fallen world. We're fallen people. And for most of us, we got to get ourselves out of the way to be able to fulfill what God desires us to fulfill. And so, so when you have a God-given purpose, it does not mean that you're not going to have problems associated with it. Look at verse 8. He says, and if the woman's not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Then the servant took ten of his master's camels and departed, for all his master's goods were in his hand. And he arose and went to the Mesopotamia, to the city of Naor. And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at evening time and the time when the women would go out to draw water. Now skip down to verse 13. 
Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of men of, of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, what are you saying behind, is behind that? You remember Eleazar? He, he was already thinking this, and it has to be going through his mind. I mean, he's got plenty of time to think about it. Think about how long the journey must be to get there. But think about what could be going through his mind. How will I know who God has picked for Isaac's wife? How will I get the girl to commit to leave her family and go with me? All the way there, he probably had more questions than answers. Have you ever been there in life? You feel like you've been called to something, you got more questions than answers? There's more confusion than certainty? Let me tell you one thing I know about the plan and purposes of God. And many of you probably have picked up on it. It's almost, it's almost like a faith journey. And we find this, you remember the hall of faith that we find in scripture in Hebrews chapter 11? And this person did this, and this person did that, and those kind of things. And one thing that I notice in most of all those stories is the fact that God's plan and his purposes unfold. It's never a picture. Have you ever noticed that? How many of you just like God to just show you a picture of your life and you did it accordingly? No, what I found about God is it's, it, his purposes, his plans, they unfold. And when you get to this point, another part unfolds before you. And when you get to this point, another, and, and here's the reason why. Because it's impossible to please God apart from what? Faith. If he just shows you the picture, there's not a whole lot associated with that. What, what's, the, what's the deal there? God wants us to walk with him. He wants us to demonstrate a life, life of faith. And many times that in, it includes the plan of God unfolding before us. And that's exactly the way Eleazar did this. Now, did he want it to be perfect plan? It's right there. Here it is. You do this, 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 and this. And there's the wife. Yeah, wouldn't you want that? But life hardly ever happens that way. It's the unfolding, the unfolding if in life, anything worth, excuse me, worthwhile has challenges and problems associated with it, that is the faith building opportunities of life. So the question I have for you this morning, it's right there on your outline. What are the obstacles, obstacles between where you are and where you need to be when it comes to what God's called you to? When it comes to possibly being a parent, when it comes to him calling you into something, maybe to, to, to be uh, an encouragement to someone, whatever it may be. I remember this call into ministry, and I, I, I'll share that with you because that's something that I see kind of so, so much in the story. And I remember this call into ministry, and, and I've already told you about the most embarrassing night of my life preaching God's word on a Wednesday night, being told the Tuesday night before and all that kind of thing. But that wasn't the only time. I mean, when I look at the fact that I can do what I'm doing up here right now, I'm more astonished than anyone. Uh, I know what it means when they say that the scariest thing for people to do is do public speaking. I'm one of those who would say, exactly. And there, I tell you, I get up here every Sunday, I, I'm still nervous. I, I do. I, I, I just, but you know something? There's one thing that I've noticed that, that God honored, and, I, and here's what it meant. I just kept stepping through the door of opportunity. I kept stepping. When the opportunity would arise, I'd step through. One of the next things God called me to do after that Wednesday night that I embarrassed myself in front of the whole church, he called me to go speak at a, um, a men's shelter. It was not long after that. And I went into that situation, and, and I spoke to those men, and they were down and out. And they, some of them, I think they were made to be there. Have you ever spoken to people who were made to be there? You as uh, school teachers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But, but literally, they were made to be there. And I could tell, I mean, they were like, it's almost like they were sitting there saying, oh, God, just kill me now, you know. And that's very encouraging to the speaker, you know. And you're sitting there, and you really want to connect, and I felt like God called me that, and I didn't feel any better about that opportunity than I did the first opportunity. I left there defeated. I left there feeling like I really didn't connect. And who in the world would throw me into something like that? Those men didn't want to hear what I had to say. But you know something? God continued to work in my life. But you see something? That was a problem. There were some obstacles that I had to overcome. There was obstacles I had to overcome 
being the husband that I needed to be. I told you, part of my testimony is, and this is what's so weird about this whole journey. And you may laugh at this and say, that's so unlike the way God would do it. I agree. When we left Wilmington, North Carolina to move here for me to go to school, to go into ministry, I have a clue about what it meant to be a good husband, a good father. Didn't have a clue. But man, I knew God called me into this. And it's amazing how God works. And, and so I knew I had to go get educated. My pastor back home said, yeah, you need to go to get educated. I said, well, come on. And, and then, I, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, I got to go through all the trenches and all that. And I, anyway, it just, and, and here's what happened. Everything just began to unfold in such a way that it, it's almost like, here's what I look back on it and say now. God didn't call me from Wilmington to come here to get educated when it came to being in ministry. God called me to be, a, and by the way, I came here and became a part of this church 31 years ago as a layman, as a person just like just sitting there. But God brought people around me, and some of those people are right here in this room, who nurtured me and loved on me, and it was the body that was developing me. And as a result, I started understanding what it meant to be the husband I needed to be, the parent I needed to be. And God just began to educate me, not at uh, some university, but right here in the middle of his own church. And all those obstacles, listen, do you think being in ministry, an obstacle would be that your marriage really stunk? Do you think that's really good for ministry? No. My wife told me all the time, you think you're going to be a preacher. You know. <laughs> she doesn't like y'all looking at her. Just look this way. But, but really, I mean, I even looked at my own life and thought the same thing. But I knew there was something that was unfolding. And there were a lot of obstacles. The problems are worked out through prayer and through an unfolding plan. And the thing that we need to understand when it comes to serving God in a fallen world is problems must be anticipated. Next, sixth. Wow. Desire in prayer. Look at verse 12. Then Eleazar said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. I mean, think about the prayer he put out there. Can you ask God to bless your purpose and your focus? Let me tell you what prayer does for me many times. Prayer demonstrates the strength of my desire. Prayer shows my dependence on God. And that's exactly what he's crying out for right here in this prayer. Seventh, design a plan. Put a plan out there. You say, well, the plan comes from God. Yeah, it definitely comes from God. There's times we're called to kind of step up and, and think through things. So Eleazar, he had a plan. If you study verses 14 through 20, what you're going to find is you're gonna sit, he's going to sit beside this well. And, and if, if uh, the next woman who walks up, who offers him something to drink and does that and does that, well, she not only offers him something to drink, she begins to give the camel something to drink. She went above and beyond. Now, how many of you wish discerning God's will was that easy? Next person that shows up, bam. How many of you ever sat at a red light trying to determine God's will about something? And you said something like this, if that light changes on the count of three, then God must be in it somehow. One, two, three, nothing changed. Okay, one more time. <laughs> it's called putting the fleece out, isn't it? We get that from Gideon's story. If God does this and this and this, and that can be dangerous, can't it? But boy, it filled in here nicely. Because that's exactly how it, planned out. it played out. I mean, think about this. His plan included going to her house, explaining the situation, and then carry her back to Isaac. And so here it is. What are the specific steps to fulfill your purpose? For some of you, for me, it was finishing my education, learning how to be a husband, learning how to be a father. Another part of it was getting out of debt. Boy, that, that creates some obstacles, debt. Have you ever seen, been a part of that? 
But here it is. Can your plan be written down with steps? A plan with steps provides focus. It is the blueprints to fulfillment and a directional life. Keep in mind that at any point, this is what we've got to realize, God can interrupt or delay the plan. Let me tell you about the plan. There's a plan that he developed in me. There's a vision he gave me years ago for this church. And, and I, I, knew, I knew the plan. I really did. I knew the plan. Other of you have brought, bought into the plan. I was certain it was a God. I didn't have the, all the details, but I had the big parts of the plan. But God brought people around me to fill in some of the gaps, the part I didn't understand or the part I was confused by. God involves other people. But what was interesting about it all was the fact that it didn't necessarily happen in my time, the time I wanted it to happen. You know what I've learned living all the years I've learned? That God's timing is always perfect. I wanted to be a lead pastor, listen, five years before I became a lead pastor. Now you say, boy, that's quite arrogant of you. You can't even speak over here on Wednesday night, would you? <laughs> No, God began to develop me, and I started seeing some strengths I had, and I started understanding the role he had for me, and I was ready to go out there. But God kept saying, no, no, no. I was getting discouraged. But you know what? I look back on Once that did happen in my life, I look back on it, and I thought to myself, you know something? I would have made a mess of things if anything happened any sooner than it did. God's time is always perfect. And guess what? Sometimes it's not just a matter of developing you. Sometimes it's a matter of developing those around you. I, I'll never forget going and telling Tina, uh, once I felt like God was calling me to ministry, going and sitting her down and saying, hey, just want to let you know God's calling me into ministry. We're probably going to have to move. I'm being transparent for it right now, but we, we, we kind of almost had to wait about 18, 24 months for God to make it clear to her. Now, why would God have to make it clear to her? I stunk as a husband. You, you know what I'm saying? Some of you are like, I know y'all did this husband thing perfectly. You, don't, you can't relate to what I'm saying. I, I get it. But there were things God had to work in her heart. Things have to happen. The plan. Got to be there. Next, discipline your personality. I got to hurry, and I'm going to make this very quickly. A life of direction must be disciplined. Nothing in life is accomplished without discipline. What do you have to discipline to accomplish great things? Number one, your mind has to be disciplined. And I've given you the verses. You can study it for yourself. Next, your appetite has to be disciplined. All these had to be in play for Eleazar for it to play out the way God, I think, designed it to play out. Before Rebecca was will, or, or her family was willing to release her to allow her to go back and be a bride for, for Isaac. Next, your speech has to be disciplined. There's been a lot of times where, I don't know about you, but when I felt like God was all over it, the timing was right and everything, but I didn't know how to communicate it. I stunk it up. And then there was times where I wanted it to happen, not so sure God wanted it to happen, and I try to manipulate things. You, you, you try to manipulate anything in your life? That didn't work out well either. Lastly, dim, uh, discipline your time. Got to do that. When there is no discipline, there is no significance. That's what I found out about life. Next, got to depend on people. Got to depend on people. You see, you see here's the thing. That, that, uh, Rebecca, the wife that's going to be for Isaac, none of that was going to happen until her family released her to do that. And he had to rely on God speaking to them as much as he was spoken to. Now, I'm sure it didn't hurt that he had 10 camels full of riches and precious everything to convince them, but that was part of it. And we see that sometimes we have to depend on others. Listen, for the vision to be carried out the way it's been carried out in this church, the vision I know God gave me, and I'm not saying that I'm the only one to own the vision. No, it, it came by people bringing people together, people agreeing. Some people saying, are you sure? Other people saying, I don't think I can get my mind and heart around that. Other people, but you just kind of keep plowing and say, okay, I, I think this is where he's leading me. And other people, lastly, you got to deposit the price. You got to use what God's call, what God's given you. You got to use your treasures, your treasures. You got to use your time. You got to use your talents. 
And think about it. A lot of that was given to you when you're in your mother's womb. Did do you, th- have you ever thought about that? Your personality, certain traits about you, strengths, weaknesses. I think it's all right there in the mother's womb. A lot of people say, no, it's, it's, it's you, you operating in a certain culture will bring about who you do become. Four grandsons raised in the exact same home with the people around them. There could be no four people so different in all the world. Where'd that come from? The womb. God created them in those unique ways. Here's the application. You were created to live a focused life by accomplishing the purposes of the one who created you. Therefore, you cannot afford to be short-sighted. You must live with the big picture in mind. Cherish the moments but live directionally and purposely. You say, boy, this message would have been perfect to hear when I was in college or when I was first taking my first steps into life. What good does it do now? (laughs) God can take you anywhere you are and accomplish his will and ways. Eleazar was an old, old man. And God accomplished great things in and through him that met the purposes of God. Father, we just come to you right now, and we thank you so much for your love and goodness. And and Lord, we just thank you that you do have a plan, you have a purpose. You made us unique. You not only made us unique, you, you made us wonderfully according to your word. And Father, I just pray for the person that may be sitting here today thinking nothing can come from their life. Maybe they feel like they've sinned too greatly or whatever. Lord, help them to understand what grace means in their life, that there are are times of redemption. There's those times where God wants to do something greater than they could ever imagine. It's never too late. It's, It's never to the point that they're too bad for it to happen. It's just a matter of simply looking to you and desiring what you want for their life. And Father, I pray you'll help us in that. We thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.